Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 11. This is one of those chapters that honestly I tried to find the shortest route to, to get to, but it's hard to not just read in this chapter. It's so good. This is a powerful, powerful story of the Lord bringing his people out of Egypt, keeping them through the wilderness, and now they are taking territory, taking Jericho. Verse 11 of Joshua 6 said, So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. The second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, and they compassed the city after the same manner. They did what they knew to do seven times. Only on that day they compassed it seven times, and it came to pass at the seventh time. Somebody say it the seventh time. When the priest blew with the trumpets, that Joshua said unto the people, Shout! He said to all the people, Shout! For the Lord hath given you the city. I'm going to preach this last Sunday of the year. I still believe the Lord wants to give us the city. But I'm going to preach to you today how walls come down. How walls come down. Could we give the Lord great praise this morning? Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Verse 20. It says, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout. That the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city. Somebody say that with me today. They took the city. They began the journey of their inheritance. They took the city. Jericho was the first city to fall in the promised land. The Lord gave them the promise when they walked out of Egypt that there would be a promised land. What the Lord did not tell them when they left Egypt in obedience and applying the blood to the doorpost and the lentil is that when you leave here, you're going to face some things that you never dreamed you could live through. 
What the Lord did not tell them is the moment you step out in faith and you leave Egypt headed toward your promised land, you're not going to go to sleep the first night in the wilderness and wake up the next morning in the promised land. There's some things if you're going to inherit the promised land that you are going to have to endure. The Lord doesn't always give us the full story when we step out and walk by faith. Some of you could say on this last Sunday of 2023 that you took the step of faith this year. But you didn't know when you took the step of faith that just as you step out to obey God, you're going to come to a Red Sea experience where your path is pursuing you. And everything you thought was behind you is now closer than you ever dreamed that it would be. And the pressure of yesterday is pushing on you and it's affecting your promise of tomorrow. But I want to tell you that the answer for the children of Israel is the same answer for you today. The answer and the solution to this Red Sea is not going to be found in what's behind you. The answer to this problem is not going to be what happens in six months from now. The answer is Moses, take what you have in your hand and stretch it forth over that water. I've come to tell somebody this morning, you've still got everything you need to do the will of God. Moses didn't have to hire another youth pastor. He didn't have to hire another music director. He didn't have to hire another assistant pastor. He didn't have to hire a new staff. He said, take what you've got in your hand because what I've given you is more than enough. What I've given you is enough for you to make it to the other side. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. No sooner did they cross over the Red Sea. Now, we could, we could spend time there. I love it. I love preaching the Exodus. The Red Sea is so powerful. I was studying several years ago. Some of you may have heard it before. But I, I was studying several years ago about the Red Sea, and they were talking about how that under the water there were, there were hills and valleys. As a matter of fact, the lowest part under the water was lower than the highest mountain in the region. And so we get this picture that when the Lord crosses, uh, he, when he parts the water and they cross on dry land. I still believe it was dry land, don't you? I, I, I don't care what the History Channel says. I still believe it was dry land. I believe when the Lord says he does something, I believe he does it. And they, they cross on dry land, but we get this picture that the waters just part and they walk across on this little flat spot. Perhaps so, I don't know, maybe a million plus people, but I can tell you this, that when you take a look under the surface of that water, there were highs and lows. Hear me this morning. There were highs and there were lows in the middle of the miracle. They had to walk through valleys and they had to climb mountains while they were being delivered. While they're passing through, they had to walk through treacherous places. All I'm saying to you is that you can always find a reason to be discouraged. You can always find a reason to turn back. But he didn't bring you out for you to go back. He didn't bring you out for you to retreat. I want to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost this morning. You may be in the lowest of low, but that does not mean you're not in the middle of deliverance. Such a powerful moment in time when they reach the other side of the Red Sea. Oh, 
if I could just have seen it. I would have loved to have seen the way that God works. What a powerful moment when they're standing on the other side and they look behind them and all of a sudden the water that was standing begins to close and they see Pharaoh and his army. The Bible said it like this in the King James Version. said the horse and the rider were in the sea. Not just the men, but the horse that was bringing them. God said, the thing that's bringing your enemy to you, I'm going to drown that as well. Not only the enemy, but the thing that brought them, I'm going to drown it as well. And the Bible said that right there, it came up on, onto the banks of the Red Sea. There was just enough evidence to let them know, I really did what you thought I just did. You really did see me do what you thought you saw me do. And there was just enough evidence right there that everything that's behind you is going to be left behind you. I wish I had the time to fully preach it today. But this is exactly what a watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ does for you. When you go down in that watery grave of baptism, everything that you used to be and everything that has pursued you is drowned in that water, the horse and the rider. Brother St. Clair, you don't know what kind of an alcoholic I was. I want to tell you, it may just look like a pool to you. The, the power's not in the pool. The power is in the name. And in the name of Jesus Christ, everything you used to be is passed away. The apostle said it like this. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't care what you were in 2022. I don't care what you were in 2023. Today can be a day of new beginnings in your life. There's no name like the name of Jesus. Acts 4 and 12 makes it clear, very clear. That neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other. Somebody shout that with me. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Brother St. Clair, it don't matter what you say. Just put them in the water. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said the salvation is in the name. Somebody say the name. At the name of Jesus, sin has to go. At the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, sickness has to go. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? There's power in the name of Jesus. Now, I know that the sentiment of modern religion would certainly be revealed as such. That from the moment you make your commitment to Jesus, that your life is going to be a bed of roses. That it's all going to be straight. But Man, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I want to encourage somebody. It's the last Sunday. But I want to tell you, it's probably going to be exactly the antithesis. That the moment you say, I'm going to do something for God, you just count on it. The whole army's coming after you. The horse and the rider. Everything that can come at you going to come out. I'm going to tell you why. Because the enemy is not just fighting your decision. He's fighting your potential. He's not just fighting the decision that you've made. And I don't want this to sound like I'm in any way being insensitive. Okay. But not everything that calls itself a Christian is a Christian. Because, well, Lord, I've done, I've done hit the, I've struck, I've struck the gold vein. Now I got, I got to get, listen, if this society teaches us anything, 
I don't care what they say. You can identify as whatever you want to identify as. That doesn't make you that. Come on now. These kids walking around school got a cattail on the back of their britches and cat headband on. They say, I identify as a cat meow. You ain't no cat. You need the Holy Ghost. But we got folks identifying as Christians. But they're not Christians. Just because you believe in Christ doesn't make you a Christian. As Keith Green used to say, the old worship leader back in the early 80s, I used to love to listen to Keith Green. He said, calling yourself a Christian don't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. When you profess your love for the Lord, it's not about what you say. Repentance is not about what you say. Woo. We've made repentance this simple little prayer. God, I'm so sorry. If you're married, you ought to just try that with your wife. Just want to be up sorry. I, matter of fact, I dare you. <laughs> Babe, you really hurt me. My bad. <laughs> Lord, I've transgressed your word. I've transgressed your will. I've transgressed your plans for my life. Dude, my bad. Can we still be homies? Can we still be friends? Can I still be happy? The happy doctrine is killing us. Salvation wasn't to make me happy. The crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection was not to make me happy. It was to, in some way, somehow, begin to redefine what happiness is to me. And saying yes to God. Man, I hope y'all got your seatbelts on right now. I'm going to get up here where I can hide from the rotten tomatoes. Saying yes to God always means saying no to me. You don't get to say yes to God and yes to you. You don't get to say yes to God and keep on doing what you're doing. I'm telling you today that Calvary did not happen so that we could have goosebumps and we could have chills up and down our spine and we could feel good on Sunday morning. It did not happen so that I could be temporarily relieved from the pressures of sin, the cross, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection. It all happened so that I could be delivered, so that I could experience the power of a new life. I want to tell you today, he did not just come so that you could have life. He came that you may have life more abundant. Life more abundant. I don't care what people say about living for God. I'm not living for God for people. Well, you guys, you just, I'll tell you, you spend too much time in church and you all these rules. I don't want the Bible. It's all just rules and restrictions. You can call it what, I, what, what you want to. But I'm just going to tell you what they call liberty and what I know is liberty are two different things. 
It's not bondage to me to live by the Word of God. As a matter of fact, there is no greater freedom than living in the Word of God. You want me to tell you why? Because he that the Son hath set, God help me preach this morning. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And so I must hurry. I'm almost through with my introduction, so stay with me. So they cross the Red Sea, the horse and the rider come up behind them. They see it washing up on the shore. The Lord lets them know your past is gone. Miriam looks around, grabs a tambourine. All the women grab tambourines. They're dancing, shouting, uh, shaking, trembling, excited about deliverance for 72 hours. And 72 hours later, they're at a place that becomes known as Mara for bitterness. It was a place of bitter water. Bitterness. Now, folks, you can try to make stuff up, but I'm just going to tell you, the word's powerful. I really wish that we could grab hold of how the word teaches us principles if we'll grab it. I, I want you to stay with me on this now. Follow this principle. The Lord brings them out. Then they come to the Red Sea. They have the opportunity for discouragement immediately. Discouragement doesn't work. So the Lord brings them through the water and they stand on the other side and there's great rejoicing. After their rejoicing comes the opportunity for bitterness. It don't take long. To get an opportunity to be discouraged, to get an opportunity to partake of bitterness, and every bit of this is nothing more, nothing less than a plan to keep them from walking in the potential of promise. And so there are people now at a moment of bitterness saying, what'd you do, dummy? Bring us out here for us to die. What was the problem, Moses? Were there not enough places for in, in Egypt, so you brought us out here because you couldn't bury us there. I mean, what's your problem? Did you bring us out here so that God could forsake us? Look, I challenge that spirit and that voice over your life in the name of Jesus today. And I've come to encourage you and tell you, he did not bring you this far to leave you. God did not bring you this far to forsake you. God didn't bring you this far to start looking for a burial plot. God believed enough in you to put a man of God in your life and tell you, you're going to make it, and that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm here to stand up and tell you against every voice and against every foe and against every adversary, you are not going to die discouraged. You are not going to die in bitterness. You are going to make it. You're going to make it. And so the conundrum has been created and the devastation has occurred. And now we're looking at bitter water and we don't know what to do. And so here we are. Do we continue in the will of God fighting discouragement? Continue in the will of God fighting opportunities of bitterness? What, like how? How do we do with it? And so they, they say, okay, maybe we could go back. What about the fish, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, 
isn't it something, and I don't have time to get stuck here, but isn't it something that not, not one person out of a million didn't lift their voice and say, what about the beatings? What about the bricks? What about the mortar? What about the abuse? Oh, no. Because the further away you get from that, the more beautiful the picture becomes in your memory. They didn't, they didn't remember what it was really like. They just remember what sustained them while they were in their misery. Let's go back to the leeks, the onion, the garlic, the fish. That's the best fish I ever had in my life. Oh, that fish was so good. Yeah, but you do realize what you have to endure when you go back. And anybody here today that has been back and the Lord has brought you back to his house can testify it don't get any easier when you go back. As a matter of fact, again, I don't have time to preach the whole principle, but it's there. The Lord said that when you clean the house and, and leave it empty, when the Spirit comes back, bring seven spirits with it. So I'm saying every time you start feeling like going back is the answer, you just remember it's going to get more and more and more and more and more difficult to be set free when you want to walk out. And I'm not here to be the wet blanket on your fire, but I do want to tell you this. I am grateful that we live in this dispensation of mercy, but it's not going to last forever. That's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith in the earth? Is he going to find somebody that's still holding on, find somebody that's still believing? I'm going to tell you what I believe. If he don't find faith anywhere else, he can look at 630 West 53rd Street, and he's going to find somebody on December the 31st that said, I don't care what it costs me, I'm going to make it. I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care what I have to fight. I didn't start to quit. I started to finish. And so the answer was, of course, turning around. Let's go back. I mean, good grief. Now, I'm just going to touch this and move on. We're just going to hit a checkpoint and move on. But I want to point out the obvious in the story. Well, it's obvious to me. If we go back where we came from, then now where they are geographically, because of the way the Lord chose for them to go, now they have, if they're going to go back, the Lord has to part the Red Sea again. You with me? It's easier to believe that the Lord can part the Red Sea again than it is to believe he can make this bitter water sweet. Because it's always easier to relive moments of greatness than it is for God to take you somewhere new and somewhere fresh and somewhere powerful. I'm going to tell you, if he's brought you this far, oh God, I feel like preaching. If he's brought you this far, I believe he can finish the work. And I believe you can finish the journey. So... Let's go and fast forward. Is that all right? I keep watching that clock back there and it's ticking down backwards. Lord, they're going to be dropping the ball in about 15 minutes in New York. You know, some, some people want their pastors to be like Elizabeth Taylor told all of her husbands, I won't hold you long. (laughs) 
Let's fast forward to the end of this story. The Lord kept his hand on him. And I'm sad to tell you, folks. I believe with all my heart, I do, I sincerely do believe this. I believe the will of God when they left Egypt was for every man, woman, and child that was with them when they left to be with them when they crossed over. I believe that. But they didn't all make it. The people who could not get over where they had been never experienced the power of where God wanted them to go. Can't get relief from who I was. And the proof was in the pudding. They didn't talk about it. They, the Lord had them build memorials. He had pick up stones, 12 of them, make memorials, all kinds of stuff. Yet Joshua said there was an entire generation out of the wilderness. They were only there 40 years. And there was an entire generation. They did not know the Lord, nor the wonderful works which he had performed. You explain to me how your kids are still picking manna and quail out of their teeth and didn't know God did it. They weren't talking about it. They weren't talking about the goodness of the Lord. And they died in the wilderness. Now, I'm not silly enough to believe that everybody's going to make it. I'm not. I wish they could. Matter of fact, if, if I had anything to do with it, you'd all make it. I'm pulling for you. I'm in the dugout screaming, run. You can do it. You can make it. There's a cloud of witnesses on the other side saying, come on. You can make it. But all I'm saying to you is that if the word God gave them when they came out, that you're going in. As a matter of fact, if we go all the way back, he said, you're going to be just fine when you get there. I've already sent an angel that's over there waiting on you. But listen, if the word God gives you isn't enough to carry you through, there's nothing that will be enough to carry you through. Can, can I preach for a few minutes this morning? If the word, oh Lord, help me get this to If the word you have is not enough, there will never be a word that is enough. Because the word he gives you now is enough to sustain you through the storm. That's why he can sleep while you worry on the boat. Because the word was, let us go to the other side. Now I'm going to take a nap. Because the storm's not going to kill us. And the storm's not going to wreck us. We may have a storm, but we're going to the other side. And the word, the word was, you're going to make it. You're going you're to make it. And you can do it. And, and here comes the power of prophecy in our lives. I've seen good men be labeled as a false prophet because what they prophesied didn't come to pass. I know this is touchy. And I'll probably get some haters online for this. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you that just because a man, now I'm not making room for foolishness, but just because a man prophesies something and it doesn't happen doesn't make him a false prophet. Not one thing that Jonah prophesied came to pass. Not one. But he wasn't a false prophet. The prophecy was if they don't, 
If they don't repent, their sin has come before me. I'm going to destroy them. But isn't it amazing that repentance turned the heart of God? And here's the power of prophecy. If somebody, can I use this as an example? Because this is everybody's favorite prophecy, okay? This is, this is the one that everybody loves TV preachers for. If you'll sow a seed into my ministry, God's going to bless you. I want you to know today, you are $1,000 away from a blessing. Y'all think I could do it? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's a miracle in your seed. And there probably is. But if a prophet looks at me and says, Luke St. Clair, God wants to bless you financially. And I say, well, thank the Lord. And I don't pay my tithe. I don't give my offerings. I want to tell you, that man's not a false prophet if God don't bless my finances. That don't make him a false prophet. That makes me disobedient. Are, are you with me? I can't just get a word from the Lord and say, well, I got the word, so I guess it's done. It's going to cost me something. If the Lord says, I'm going to bless you with inheritance, that also means you got to be faithful in the wilderness. I'll keep the fiery serpents away, but don't curse me when the water gets bitter. Woo. I'm trying to figure out how to preach something to make y'all happy again right now. I had you on my team 10 minutes ago. I think I got Elizabeth Taylor fans mad at me. I don't know. So they come to the river. They cross the river. This is one of the greatest stories in the world because every one of us are found in the story. They come to the Jordan River. The priests go in, and, it, you know, deliverance is always different because this time the Lord didn't just tell the priest to hold a rod out over the Jordan River and the water's part. This time the priest had to, had to step in. You, you ever been there where the Lord says, come on, you... Take that first step in. You're like, uh, my feet are getting wet. The Lord says, I'm going to part the waters. Oh, boy. I'm getting deeper and deeper. And the water's still there. At what, at what point do I turn around and say, this is foolishness? But he said, if you put that ark on your shoulders, you priests walk in. He said, I'll take care of the water. Here's a little principle for you in the new year. Just do what he told you. Don't worry about what you can't fix. You don't control the water. You don't control the wind and you don't control the waves. You know what you do control? The next step you take. You know what you do control? Every step of faith that I make. Every time I take a step, I don't have to see where I'm going. I don't control tomorrow, but I do control this right here. The next move I make. God, you're still with me. Yep, this looks like the valley of the shadow of death. It is, but I'll fear no evil. Because he's with me. I may be walking through the valley, but I'm not fearing evil. So now we possess, and I'm, I'm going as quick as I can. It's time to possess, and they, they, they cross the river, and it, it really doesn't look too good, honestly, when you... You know you're supposed to feel like you're in the promised land, and it looks like you're in the promised land, but it just don't feel like it, because that's a big wall. And Joshua looks up, and right over against that wall, 
there's a great angel standing there. The angel of the Lord. And this is the part for all the spiritual people. This is the part that spiritual people love. We love getting God in our business. Because Joshua walks up to the angel and says, you with us or you with him? And the angel said, no. Excuse me? Are you, are you for us? Are you for them? He said, no. God doesn't have to answer the question, am I for you uh, or for them? What the Lord wanted to know is, are you with me? That angel is not obligated to say, yes, I'm on your team. It'd feel good if the Lord would say that. Now, Lord, you know they did me wrong. I want to know, are you on my side? The answer is always no. Who is on the Lord's side? If you get on his side, he's always on your side. If you get on the side of the kingdom... He's always, oh God, help me right now. The Lord wanted it to be clear. You didn't come here to get me involved in your business. I brought you and kept you here to be sure you're doing my business. I want to encourage somebody in 2024, don't worry about who's for you and don't worry about who's against you. If God be for Come on, preach it to me now. If God be for us. Oh, I wish somebody would preach it from the bottom of your heart right now. Who can be against us? So the Lord says, okay, I got a plan for you. Now that I know you're on the right team, here's the plan. It's great. I, in my mind, would think it's going to look something like this. You guys have been faithful. You've made it this far. You've crossed the river. You've crossed the Red Sea. You, you, you've survived the fire of serpents. You've been, I mean, just walk through the whole story. You got, hey, 40 years. You're faithful. Here's what I'm going to do. Now that your feet are on the soil of Jericho, I'm fixing to send a big fire down. I'm going to smite everyone. You're going to walk in there. Every bit of the resistance is going to be dead. They're going to be piled up. It's going to smell like rotten flesh by the time you get there. But that's just to show you I did it. Then I'm going to lick them all up with the fire and it's going to be taken care of. You're not going to get hurt at all. That sounds like a good plan, don't it? The Lord said, got a plan for you. Oh, okay, what is it, Lord? He said, here's the plan. Start walking. Excuse me? We've been doing that for 40 years. Yeah, I just want you to walk. Uh... What should we say? Nothing. Huh? Nothing. I want the priest to walk with the Ark of the Covenant. I want you and the people to walk behind them. And I don't want you to say anything. They got to the end of the first day. Said, Lord, how'd we do? He said, good. We're going to do it for the next six days. Now, I've come to preach to you on this morning how walls fall down. And I had it in my mind how I wanted to. Listen. I've been in this thing all my life. What I'm about to say to you, it could be misconstrued and taken like I'm being ugly. Please don't think I'm being ugly. But I know a thing or two about fluff preaching. People that like to preach just fluff. Everybody stand up and shout and say, yeah. I mean, I, I love it. 
There are certain buttons you can push at the right time. And I, man, I've, I've been there. Lord, forgive me. I hope nobody sees this online that's going to hate me for this. On some Friday nights of camp meeting, when you preach for five nights straight, you get there on Friday night and say, God, if I can just push this over the top, I wish they'd shout me down. I'm tell you, I've, been, I've been so tired. My voice was shot and my body was weary. And I was like, God, just give me one shout down this week. Just, God, let one young person take off running and this thing will blow up. And so now youth conferences, it's amazing what they, it's like if we don't shout, we hadn't had church. No matter what the preacher preached, we're going to shout until we forget what he said. Oh, boy. I was doing so good. If there's no shout, it wasn't church. Now, I love preaching this story, and I've preached it all my life. I've preached this story. When they shouted, the walls began to shake. The trumpet blasted and the people opened up their mouth. And right about then is a good time to say, I think we ought to try it right now. Because Psalm 47 said, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And the church begins to shout. Come on. I believe in the shout this morning. I believe in the power of the shout. I believe that the shout can set you free. I believe that the shout can bring deliverance. I believe that the shout can bring victory. I do believe that. I love it. I don't ever want to be a part of a church that's not a shouting church. I don't ever want to lose what we've got in Pentecost. I want to be an aisle running, aisle dancing, hand clapping, foot stomping, apostolic church. I want to be all of that. But I'm going to tell you what I felt like I missed early in my ministry when I would preach about Jericho. Can I just be honest? I'm going to tell you what I feel like a lot of my comrades have missed when we preach this story about Jericho. We have always preached that the walls fell down because they shouted. But I've come respectfully on this Sunday morning to submit something to you. If walls just fell down because we shouted, they'd fall all the time. Because it's easy to just come to church and say, yeah! But when you leave, your walls are still standing. The walls did not fall because they shouted. The shout was the culmination of an intentional seven days of walking. Before they said anything, before they shouted one time, before there was ever the shout of a trumpet on that seventh day after the seventh time around. Can you imagine after you've walked for six days and you get to the seventh day that the Lord would be so cruel to say, okay, now do what you did six days, but do it seven times in one day. Lord, that's a little much to ask. My question is, do you want the walls to fall or not? Because the walls may fall when you shout, 
but the walls falling are a byproduct of the fact that I've learned to just trust him when I can't see what he's doing and I, there ain't no shout coming out of me. When I, I, I don't have a clue what God is doing. I don't know what he's trying to show me. I feel like I'm walking blind. I feel like I'm walking by faith. I don't feel like there's any answers at all. I'm just walking and nothing's happening. I'm going to tell you there's more happening than you think is happening. The shout is going to be the culmination, but the walk is what's going to make the walls fall down. I thank God for what he's done in 2023, but I'm not here today. I, we may shout before it's over. It'd be all right with me if you shouted right now. And I hope we can shout a New Year's service next year in 2024. But I want to tell you what he wants more than your shout. It's not just about being intentional with your shout. It's about being intentional with your walk. I trust him enough. That when I've walked for six days, six weeks, six months, and the walls are still standing, I trust him enough that when he says, just keep on pushing, Lord, you're going to catch me in a prayer room every day of my life. You're going to catch me fasting every week this year. Lord, I'm going to give you 365 days of faithful service. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to pray and fast and read in the word of God. And when the wall falls down, I'm going to shout. But I promise you, Lord, I'm not just here for the shout. I'm here to walk. I'm a shouting preacher. I love shouting. There ain't nothing like dancing, shouting. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I'm going to tell you, we got to be careful. Because spirits are usually revealed in the times of shouting. Because people who look at the shout and say, you're a fool for shouting, they don't understand what God's doing. The people who say, I'm not going to shout, I'm going to make you a guarantee. Can I do that? If they don't want to shout, they probably griped while they walked. Come on. Come on. I threw that old lead balloon out there to see how it'd do. I said, if they don't, if they don't want to shout with you, they probably griped while you were walking too. And then you got the people that want to come in on the seventh day on the seventh trip and say, let's shout. Because they want to be there when the walls fall down. But it don't mean the same thing to them because they weren't there when you were walking by faith and you didn't know what God was doing. I'm going to tell you what the Lord is looking for. He's not looking for people who are critical about the shout. He's not looking for people who just want to shout. He's looking for people that'll say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to preach the gospel, I'll preach the gospel. If you want me teaching a Bible study at Starbucks or McDonald's, I'll teach a Bible study. If you want me to give food to the hungry, I'll give food to the hungry. If you want me to go to Africa, I'll go to Africa. I'll be there when the shouting's commencing, but I'll be there when there's no shout to be found. I'll be there when there's no answers. It's easy to find people that want to shout. But the Holy Ghost sent me on Sunday morning to tell you as the music comes, walls don't just fall because people shout. 
But it's amazing what happens when people shout after they've walked by faith. This is not a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night prayer meeting walk. This is an every day that I get up and I take my first breath. I want the enemy to know I'm aware that this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to tell you something, church family, that I believe this morning. I believe there's enough potential in this room. In 2024, some of you are going to recognize and realize who you are. And when your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're going to be hell's worst nightmare. He's tried everything he can to defeat you, everything he can to destroy you, everything he can to discourage you. But you got up on Sunday morning and you put... God help me right now. And you put on your church clothes and you came to the house of the Lord. Everything he tried in 2023, it failed and you're still here. Woo! I tell you what, it's all right with me if we end up shouting. You know why? Because I've seen some of you walk this year seen some of you walk this year when you were so discouraged you could have thrown in the towel I've seen some of you walk this year when you got a doctor's report that didn't look good I've seen some of you stand beside a casket and weep this year but the next Sunday morning you were in the house of God with your hands raised that's what I'm talking about walls come down when we shout but they come down because we've walked Walls come down when we're there every time the doors are open. Devil, you can't discourage me enough to quit. Hallelujah. The report I got said that it was over. Pastor St. Clair, the report I got said there's nothing else doctors can do. But I want to know on this Sunday morning, whose report will you believe? And I want you to know today, devil, we shall believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I know what the doctor said, but I believe the report of the Lord. I know what the banker said, but I believe the report of the Lord. I know what's going on in Washington, D.C., but I believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe. Woo! Oh, when people look at Pentecost, they think we're crazy. Those people run like that's weird. Thank the Lord. Those people scream, shout. Let me tell you why we do. Because he's been faithful while we walked. I felt on this Sunday morning to challenge this church. I'm not into New Year's resolutions. I failed too many times. I'm going to tell you what I'm into. I'm into resolve. 
God put a resolve in me. Man, I felt something shift in this room just a moment ago. There's somebody in this house today that you've had every excuse to quit. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm talking about such dark days, and I I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You fought voices of suicide. I'm just going to quit. This is the easiest way out. Nobody would remember me anyway, and it's going to be fine. I don't want to come across as a judgmental voice and hurt anybody today, but I want to tell you, he didn't die so you would have to. He didn't die for you to commit suicide and quit. He died and was buried and rose again so that you could have the strength to live. Bill Gaither said it when he wrote the song, Because He Lives. I feel that strong on me right now. Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. God put that on your people right now. You just lift your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost. Because he lives. Woo! Life is worth the living. Just because he lives. Oh, God, help us today. Come on, stretch your faith right now. Stretch your hearts towards heaven right now. Would you just extend your hands and your hearts? Sondo yoro lo boko yanda yala mahat.